As I mentioned in the previous Friday sermon, I will relate some details that were left out of the accounts of various companions. As such, I will start today by mentioning incidents related to Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him. He belonged to the tribe of Banu Asad. With regards to his tribe, some people say that they were in a pact with Bani Abdishams, whereas according to others, they were allies with Harb bin Umayyah. In relation to his physique, it is said that he was neither tall nor short. He had a thick set of hair. Appointing him as the leader on one expedition, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, made a statement which demonstrates his toughness, determination and fearlessness. Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, I will send you off under the leadership of such an individual who, although is not better than you, is tougher than you when it comes to tolerating hunger and thirst. Following this, Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, relates, under the leadership of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, we headed towards the valley of Nakhla, situated between Mecca and Ta'if. With regards to the spoils of war that were acquired after being victorious in this expedition, it is written that some believe that these spoils of war were the first spoils of war to have ever been acquired by Muslims. Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, divided these spoils of war into five portions. He distributed four portions and set aside one portion for the treasury. This was the first hummus, one-fifth of the spoils of war, in Islam, allotted on that day. Imam Shabi relates that in Islam, the first flag was hoisted by Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him. Subsequently, the first spoils of war that were distributed were those acquired by Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him. Regarding Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, 
Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, states in Sirat Khatam al Nabiyin, that is the life and character of the seal of the Prophets. A chieftain of Mecca named Kurz bin Jabir Fihri, very cunningly, along with a company of the Quraysh, suddenly raided a pasture of Medina, which was situated only three miles from the city, and fled with the camels, etc., belonging to the Muslims. Naturally, the sudden attack of Qurz bin Jabir had terrified the Muslims greatly. And since there was a standing threat by the chieftains of Mecca, that they would attack Medina and utterly destroy the Muslims, the Muslims were severely apprehensive. Upon observing these very threats, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, decided that the movements of the Quraysh should be surveyed from a closer distance so that all the necessary intelligence with respect to them may be available on time and Medina was safeguarded from all kinds of sudden attacks. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed is mentioning about the expedition that has just been mentioned. Hence, for this purpose, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, assembled a party of eight muhajireen, that is, migrants. As an act of wisdom, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, selected such men for this party who were from the various tribes of the Quraysh so that it was easier to obtain intelligence with regards to the hidden conspiracies of the Quraysh. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed his paternal cousin, Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, as the commander of this party. In order to ensure that the prime mission of this party was kept secret, even from the Muslim masses, upon ordering this sariya, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not even inform the commander of this party as to where he was being sent and for what purpose. Rather, upon their departure, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, handed him a sealed letter and said that this letter contains necessary instructions for you. Although some parts of this narration have been mentioned previously, the narration as presented by Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed was not mentioned. Nonetheless, he writes, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed, When you cover a distance of two days, travel from Medina, open the letter and act in accordance with the stipulated instructions. As such, Abdullah and his companions set out by the command of their master. When they had journeyed a distance of two days from Medina, Abdullah opened the instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which are as follows. Go forth to the valley of Nakhla between Makkah and Ta'if and obtain information on the Quraysh and return with news therefrom. Moreover, since an intelligence mission so close to Makkah was a very delicate task, at the bottom of this letter, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had written that after the objective of this mission became known, if any one from among his companions was hesitant in accompanying this party and desired to return, then permission would be granted to do so. Abdullah read out this guidance to his companions, who unanimously affirmed, We happily present ourselves for this service. Then this party proceeded to Nakhla. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, and Utbah bin Ghazwan, may Allah be pleased with him, lost their camels en route and were separated from their companions. Despite their best efforts, they were unable to relocate their companions. The party was now left with only six people. 
On this occasion, Mr. Margolius has written that Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, and Utbah, may Allah be pleased with him, intentionally let their camels loose and use this as an excuse to remain behind. Each and every life event of these devotees of Islam who were ready to sacrifice their lives is a testimony to their valour and devotion. One of them was martyred at the hands of the disbelievers in the campaign of Bitri Mauna, while the other distinctly participated in many dangerous battles and ultimately became the victor of Iraq. Therefore, to doubt the sincerity of such people, especially when that doubt is founded on self-concocted notions, is the work of Mr. Margolius alone. It is ironic that in his book Mr. Margolius claims that he has written this book com- being completely free from prejudice. In any case, this is a side issue. This small community reached Nakhla and became engaged in their work. With the thought of concealing their classified mission, some of them shaved their heads so that travellers, etc. would not be alarmed in any way. And so they would consider them as being such people who had come with the intention of Umrah. However, they had only just arrived there when suddenly a small caravan of the Quraysh also happened to arrive, which was travelling from Ta'if to Makkah, and both parties encountered each other. The Muslims consulted one another as to what should be done. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had sent them for the purpose of secretly obtaining intelligence. But on the other hand, war had begun with the Quraysh. Both opponents were before one another, and naturally there was a risk that now, since the people from the caravan of the Quraysh had spotted the Muslims, their covert intelligence mission would no longer remain secret. Another predicament was that some Muslims thought that it was perhaps the last day of Rajab, i.e. a sacred month in which fighting was prohibited as per the ancient Arabian custom. Others thought that Rajab had passed and the month of Sha'ban had started. In some narrations it had been related that this Sariya was dispatched in Jamadi al-Akhir and there was a doubt as to whether this day was of Jamadi or Rajab. However, on the other hand, the valley of Nakhla was situated right on the outskirts of the Haram and it was obvious that if a decision was not made that day, the caravan would have entered the Haram on the following day, the sanctity of which was definite. Hence, taking all these factors into consideration, it was finally decided that the caravan should be attacked and the people of the caravan should either be taken captive or killed. Therefore, they launched an attack in the name of Allah and as a result, one man whose name was Amr bin al-Hadrami was killed and two were taken captive. However, the fourth individual unfortunately escaped and the Muslims were unable to apprehend him and thus the initiative was not a complete success. Thereafter, the Muslims seized the goods of the caravan since one man belonged to the Quraysh had escaped and news of this conflict would inevitably reach Makkah quickly, Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, and his companions swiftly returned to Makkah with the spoils. On this occasion, Mr. Margolius writes that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, deliberately dispatched this company in the sacred month because in this month the Quraysh naturally would have been unmindful 
and the Muslims would find an easy and definite opportunity to raid their caravan. However, every sensible individual can understand that a small party of this nature could not have been dispatched to such a far-off region to plunder a caravan, especially when the enemy headquarters were so nearby. Furthermore, history categorically establishes that this party had merely been dispatched for the purpose of obtaining intelligence. Moreover, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, found out that the companions had attacked the caravan, he was extremely displeased. As such, it is narrated that when they presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and informed him of the entire account, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was extremely displeased and said, I have not given you permission to fight in the sacred month. Then it is written that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, refused to accept the spoils. Upon this, Abdullah and his companions felt extreme remorse and shame. Then it is written that they thought that due to their incurring the displeasure of God Almighty and his messenger, they had been ruined. Even the other companions reproached them and said, You did that which you had not been ordered, and you fought in the sacred month, although you had not been ordered at all to fight in this campaign. On the other hand, the Quraysh also raised a huge hue and cry that the Muslims had violated the sanctity of the sacred month. Since the person who had been killed, Amr bin al-Hadrami, was a chieftain and was also a confederate of Utbah bin Rabi'ah, a chieftain of Mecca, this occurrence greatly enraged the Quraysh's fire of fury. They began to prepare for an attack upon Medina with even greater zeal and uproar. Hence, the Battle of Badr was primarily a result of this very preparation and vehement enmity. Therefore, upon this occurrence, there was murmuring both among the Muslims and disbelievers, and finally, the following Quranic verse was revealed, which provided a means of relief for the Muslims. That is, people ask thee about fighting in the sacred month. Tell them, undoubtedly fighting in the sacred month is a great transgression. But to forcefully hinder men from the religion of God in the sacred month, rather to disbelieve in relation to the sacred month and the sacred mosque, i.e. to violate their sanctity, and then to turn out by coercion the inhabitants of the haram, as you are guilty of doing, O ye idolaters, is a greater sin with Allah than fighting in the sacred month. And verily, to persecute in the land during the sacred month is worse than such fighting, which is for the purpose of preventing persecution. O ye Muslims, the state of the disbelievers is such that they have become so blinded in their enmity towards you that they will not cease fighting you at any time and at any place until they turn you back from your faith, if they find the power to do so. Therefore, history establishes that the chieftains of the Quraysh would spread their bloody propaganda even in the sacred months. As a matter of fact, they became even more active in their evil designs during these months, taking benefit of the gatherings and journeys which would take place in the sacred months.
Furthermore, with great shamelessness, in order to gratify themselves with a false satisfaction, they would rearrange the order of the sacred months, which was known as Nasi. Then, later on, they crossed all bounds, when during the era of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, despite there being a firm covenant and agreement, the disbelievers of Mecca and their allies took up the sword against an ally tribe of the Muslims in the area of the Haram. And then, when the Muslims set out in support of this tribe, they fought against them as well in the very region of the Haram. Hence, it was only natural for the Muslims to find comfort in this response. But the Quraysh were also brought to level. During this time, two of their men arrived in Medina in order to have their two captives released. However, until now, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas and Utbah, may Allah be pleased with them, had not returned. On their account, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, greatly feared that if the Quraysh happened to seize them, they would not release them alive. Hence, for this reason, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, refused to release the captives until they returned and said, When my men safely reach Medina, I will release yours. Therefore, when they both reached Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, released both captives for a ransom. However, from among these two captives, one individual was so deeply impressed by the high moral qualities of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the truth of the Islamic teaching during his stay at Medina, that even after his release, he refused to return and join the servants of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He was finally martyred at Bi'ri Mu'una. His name was Hakam bin Kaysan. The sword of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, broke during the battle of Uhud. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, bestowed upon him a branch of a date palm tree. Thus the branch became like a sword in his hand. From that day forward, he became known as Urjun, a date palm tree's branch. Abu Naim says that Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, was one who always swore by his Lord, had the love of Allah ever present in his heart, and was the first to raise the flag of Islam. It is narrated by Imam Shafi'i that two men, one belonging to the Bani Amir tribe and the other to the Bani Asa tribe, came to me while boasting and contending with one another. The man from Bani Amir had grabbed hold of the hand of the man from Bani Asad. The man from Bani Asad asked for his hand to be released, while the man from Bani Amir said, By God, I will not let go of you. Imam Shafi'i continues, I said to the man, O brother from Bani Amir, let go of his hand. I said to the man from Bani Asad, You possess six attributes that are not in any Arab man, and they are number 1. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, desired to marry a woman of your tribe, so Allah caused it to happen. And the representative for both was Hazrat Jibreel. The name of the woman was Hazrat Zainab bint Jahash, may Allah be pleased with her. This is a source of pride for your tribe. Number 2. There was a man from among you who was destined for heaven yet still walked upon the earth with humility, and that was Hazrat Ukasha bin Mihsan, may Allah be pleased with him. This is a source of pride for your tribe. Number three, the flag of Islam was bestowed to one from among you, Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him. And this is a source of pride for your tribe. Number four, the first ever spoils of war in Islam that were distributed in Islam were distributed by Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, may Allah be pleased with him, and this is a source of pride for your tribe. Number five, the first person to pledge allegiance during the Bayt al-Ridwan was from among your tribe. He presented himself to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said, 
O Messenger of Allah, extend your hand so that I may pledge allegiance to you. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked, On what basis will you pledge your allegiance to me? He replied, Regarding that which is in your heart. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked, What is in my heart? The man replied, Either victory or martyrdom. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took the pledge from Hazrat Abu Sinan, may Allah be pleased with him. After which, people would come and proclaim that we pledge ourselves upon the pledge of Hazrat Abu Sinan, may Allah be pleased with him. This is a source of pride for your tribe. Number six, on the day of the Battle of Badr, seven of the Muhajireen were from among your tribe, and this is a source of pride for your tribe. Then it is narrated that when Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash was martyred during the Battle of Uhud, his wife at the time was Hazrat Zainab bin Khuzayma, may Allah be pleased with her. After his martyrdom, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, married Hazrat Zainab bin Khuzayma, may Allah be pleased with her. She lived with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, for eight months. And in other narrations, it is said that she lived with him for only two or three months. She passed away at the end of the month of Rabi al-Akhir. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, led her funeral prayer and she was buried in Jannat al-Baqi. As I have said before, the other accounts have already been mentioned. Next, I will speak about Hazrat Saleh Shukran, may Allah be pleased with him. According to some, Hazrat Shukran and Hazrat Umm Ayman came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as part of the inheritance from his father. They were slaves and following the Battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, granted them freedom. Hazrat Saleh Shukran was among those who were fortunate enough to bathe the body of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, after his demise. Apart from him, there were eight others from the family of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In reference to this very honour of bathing the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, there is a narration in Musnad Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal that Hazrat Salih, may Allah be pleased with him, has had another great honour. This honour was regarding the bathing of the Holy Prophet. When the Holy Prophet was being bathed, Hazrat Salih Shukran and Hazrat Usama bin Zayd were pouring water over him it is narrated by Hazrat ibn Abbas that when the people were gathered to bathe the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, only the family members of the Holy Prophet were present in his home. The Holy Prophet's uncle, Hazrat Abbas, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Fadl bin Abbas, Hazrat Qusm bin Abbas, Hazrat Osama bin Zayd, and Hazrat Salih Shukran, the freed slave of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. During that time, Hazrat Aus bin Khawli Ansari of Banu Auf bin Khazraj, who was present during the Battle of Badr, was standing at the door and called out to Hazrat Ali, saying, O Ali, I swear by Allah, allow us to partake in these blessings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Ali replied, Come inside. Thus he came inside and was present during the bathing of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, he did not take part in the bathing. The narrator states that Hazrat Ali was supporting the body of the Holy Prophet against his chest while he was still wearing his shirt. Hadrat Abbas, Fadl and Qusim were assisting Hazrat Ali in turning the side of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In tandem, Hazrat Usama and Hazrat Salih Shukran were pouring water and Hazrat Ali was bathing the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Allama Baladuri states, Hazrat Umar sent Hazrat Shukran's son, Abdul Rahman bin Shukran, to Hazrat Abu Musa Ash'ari and wrote about him saying, I am sending Abdul Rahman bin Salih Shukran to you. 
He is a pious man and a freed slave of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treat him well, being mindful of the respect that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had for his father. In one narration, Allama Bawi states, the Hazrat Shukran, may Allah be pleased with him, resided in Medina. However, he also owned a house in Basra. He passed away during the Caliphate of Hazrat Umar. The last person in his lineage passed away during the leadership of Harun al-Rashid in Medina. Similarly, a person from his family lived in Basra. According to Musab, whether his lineage continued or ended is unknown. As a Salih Shukran relates, I once saw the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, riding a mule towards Khaybar. He was offering prayers and making the prayers gestures. In other words, he was offering the prayer whilst riding his mount. This is an answer to a contentious issue whether it is permissible to offer prayers on a journey or not. Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshum, may Allah be pleased with him, is another companion about whom some facts have not yet been mentioned. It is recorded about him that he has been referred to both as Hazrat Malik bin Dukhayshin and Ibn Dukhshum. His father's name was Dukhshum bin Mardakha and he has also been called Dukhshum bin Malik bin Dukhshum bin Mardakha. His mother's name was Umayra bin Tisad. Hazrat Malik was married to Jamila bin Ubay bin Sulul, who was the sister of Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, the chief of the hypocrites. Upon the arrest of Suhail bin Amr, Hazrat Malik, may Allah be pleased with him, said the following couplets. That is, I imprisoned Suhail and do not wish to imprison anyone amongst all the people in exchange for him. The people of Banu Khandaf are aware that Suhail alone is the stalwart youth of their tribe, especially when he faced cruelty. I attacked the flag bearer and felled him and I resorted to fighting against Suhail bin Amr whose lip was slit. In reference to the captives of the Battle of Badr, there is a narration of Ust al-Ghaba. Abu Salih narrates on the authority of Hazrat ibn Abbas that Abu Yusr Malik bin Dukhshim Awfi and Tariq bin Ubaid Ansari came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, you stated that whoever kills an enemy in this war will be rewarded such and such. And whoever brings a captive will be rewarded with such and such. We killed 70 people and imprisoned another 70. Upon this, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. We too could have performed like these people. However, we were protecting the Muslims from their rear. The spoils of war are limited whilst there are many people. If you grant those people what you have promised them, 
then some others will receive nothing. Thus the people continued to speak about this until Allah the Almighty revealed the following verse. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْأَنْفَالِ قُلِ الْأَنْفَالُ لِلَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ That is, they ask thee concerning the spoils of all. Say the spoils belong to Allah and the Messenger. On the day of the Battle of Uhud, Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshum passed by Hazrat Kharija bin Zaid. Hazrat Kharija was sitting covered in wounds. He suffered about 13 serious wounds. Hazrat Malik said to him, Are you aware that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has been martyred? Hazrat Kharija replied, If the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is it has indeed been martyred, then surely Allah is alive and will never suffer death. Muhammad has conveyed the message, Thus you too should fight for your faith. In another narration, this incident is mentioned in the following manner. When the rumour of the martyrdom of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, spread, Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshum passed by Hazrat Kharija bin Zaid, who was seated with 13 serious wounds across his chest. Hazrat Malik said to him, Do you know that the Holy Prophet, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has been martyred? Hazrat Kharija replied, Even if Muhammad has been martyred, Allah is alive and will never die. Surely he has conveyed the message of Islam, thus fight for your faith. The narrator states that following this, Hazrat Malik passed by Hazrat Sa'ad bin Rabi' who had suffered 12 serious wounds. Hazrat Malik addressed Hazrat Sa'ad and said, Do you know that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has been martyred? Hazrat Sa'ad replied, I bear witness that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has conveyed the message of his Lord. Thus, fight for your faith because Allah is alive and will never die. According to one narration, many people came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and submitted. He, I, Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshum, has a soft spot for the hypocrites. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Does he not offer prayer? You claim that he is a hypocrite. Does he not offer prayer? The people replied, Yes, O Messenger of Allah, he does offer prayer. However, his prayers are devoid of goodness. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said twice, I have been forbidden to kill those who offer prayer. This is a vital lesson for Muslims today. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, commissioned Hazrat Malik bin Dukhshum alongside Hazrat Asim bin Adi, the brother of Hazrat Ma'an bin Adi, to destroy Masjid Dirar. It is reported that Hazrat Malik, may Allah be pleased with him, had no progeny. Next, I will briefly speak about Hazrat Ukasha bin Mihsan. His name was Ukasha. His family lineage was Mihsan bin Harsan. He was also called Abu Mihsan. He was martyred in the year 12th Hijri during the caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr. May Allah be pleased with him. Imam Sha'bi has praised Ukasha in the following words A man was destined paradise, and yet he still walked the earth with humility. That man was Ukasha bin Mihsan. In the year 2 Hijri, immediately following the Battle of Adr, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, commissioned Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash to an expedition. Hazrat Ukasha bin Mihsan also participated in that expedition. 
It is mentioned in Asir al-Halabiya that during the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously shot arrows using his bow which was called Qatum, because it would not make any sound when an arrow was being shot from it. Eventually, because of the continuous firing of arrows, a part of the bow broke. According to another narration, it is stated that the side of the bow where the bowstring is tied was broken. Essentially, it broke because of the constant firing of arrows and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was left with a handful of bowstring. Hazrat Ukasha bin Mihsan took it from him in order to retie the bowstring. However, the string had become too short and he said, O Messenger of Allah, this string is too short. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, Pull it and it will suffice. As Okasha says, By he who sent the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with the truth, I pulled the string and it became so long, I was able to tie two or three knots around the bow and firmly secured it. There is a narration that in six Hijri, Uyayna bin Hissin, along with the cavalry of the Banu Ghatafan, went to Ghaba where they attacked the Holy Prophet's milking camels. This was where the Holy Prophet's camels would graze. It was their pasture. There was also a man and a woman from Banu Ghaffar who used to live in Ghaba. The attackers killed the man and took the woman along with the camels. The first person to learn of this incident was Salama bin Akwa. He set out towards Ghaba in the morning and was accompanied by the slave of Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidillah, may Allah be pleased with him, and his horse. When they reached the Niyyatul Wada', they saw some of the attackers' horses, and so they climbed up from the side of the Mount Salah and called out for help to those who were behind them. Then they raced after the attackers like hunting animals until they overtook and started shooting arrows at them. As soon as one of the horse riders looked in his direction, Hazrat Salama would rush back and shoot an arrow when the opportunity arose. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, learned of this incident, he announced that Medina was in danger. Some horse riders began assembling by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, including Ukasha bin Mihsan and other companions. During this incident, Ukasha bin Mihsan, may Allah be pleased with him, overtook Aubar and his son Amr bin Aubar, who were both riding the same camel. As Ukasha struck them both with a single strike of his spear and killed them both and then retrieved some of the stolen camels. The next mention is of Hazrat Kharija bin Zayd, may Allah be pleased with him. His title was Abu Zayd. It is recorded that Hazrat Mu'adh bin Jabal, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, may Allah be pleased with him, and Hazrat Kharija bin Zayd, may Allah be pleased with him, asked some Jewish scholars about certain things mentioned in the Torah. However, the scholars refused to answer and concealed the truth. Upon this, Allah the Almighty revealed the following verse, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَىٰ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيِّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِي الْكِتَابِ those who conceal what we have sent down of signs and guidance after we have made it clear for the people in the book. 
It is these whom Allah curses, and so curse them, those who curse. The next mention is of Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid, may Allah be pleased with him. His title was Abu Abdullah. He was from a branch of the Ansari tribe of Khazraj called Banu Biyada bin Amir. His progeny resided in Medina and Baghdad. It is written that Dihak bin Nu'man states that Masruq bin Wa'il from the Aqiq Valley came to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in Medina. There are various valleys and places in Arabia called Aqiq. The most well-known is the Aqiq Valley, which is just west of Medina. During the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the path from Medina to Mecca passed through Aqiq and went to Dhul Hulayfa. This is the same path used today. It is written that Masruq bin Wa'il accepted Islam and remained steadfast upon Islam. He said, O Messenger of Allah, I desire for you to send someone to my people who can call them unto Islam. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent the Ansar companion Ziyad bin Labid, may Allah be pleased with him, to them. Hazrat Ziyad passed away in 41 Hijri at the very beginning of Hazrat Muawiyah's rule. Tabarani says that Hazrat Ziyad lived in Kufa, whereas Muslim and Ibn Habban say that he lived in Syria. Ibn Habban says that he was among the scholars and companions. Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid, may Allah be pleased with him, relates, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mentioned something and said, This will occur when knowledge is taken away. I said, O Messenger of Allah, how will knowledge be taken away whilst we read the Qur'an and teach it to our children and our progenies? We'll read it until the last day. When the Qur'an will remain, then, then how is it that knowledge will no longer remain? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, May God bless you, O Ziyad. I thought you to be among the most intelligent people in Medina. Do the Jews and Christians not read the Torah and the Gospels? Neither of them act upon their teachings. Knowledge will be taken away when Muslims will read the Qur'an but will not act upon it. This is exactly what we are witnessing today. Then Yazid bin Abdullah bin Qusayd, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates, as Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, sent Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl, along with 500 Muslims, to help Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid, may Allah be pleased with him, and Hazrat Muhajir bin Umayyah bin Abi Umayyah. They reached the army when they had conquered Nujair, which is located in Yemen. Then Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid gave them a share from the spoils. This caravan reached after the victory had already taken place. Imam Shafi says that Hazrat Ziyad wrote about this to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Abu Bakr replied to him in a letter saying that only those had a right over the spoils who took part in the battle. In this view, Ikrimah did not deserve a share from the spoils because he had not participated in the battle. Hazrat Ziyad spoke with his friends about the matter and they happily decided to include Ikrimah and his army in the spoils. The next mention is of Hazrat Khalid bin Bukair, may Allah be pleased with him. His father was Bukair bin Abdi Yalil. He was from the Banu Sa'd tribe, which was a confederate of Banu Adi. 
Ibn Ishaq says, Other than Ayas and his brothers Aqil, Khalid and Amir, we did not know any other four brothers who took part in the Battle of Badr. These four brothers also migrated together and stayed with Rifa'a bin Abdul Mundir in Medina. Ibn Ishaq says that after the Battle of Uhud, some people from the Azil and Qara tribes went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, we are inclining towards Islam. Send some of your companions with us so that they may teach our people about faith and teach the Quran. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent six companions with them under the leadership of Hazrat Marsad bin Abi Marsad and Hazrat Khalid bin Bukair was one of them. Later, those people who took them to learn about the faith deceived and martyred them. The next mention is of Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir, may Allah be pleased with him. His title was Abu Yaqzan. Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, has written in light of books on history that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed by a slave named Ammar and found that he was sobbing and wiping tears from his eyes. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked, What is the matter, Ammar? Ammar said, O Messenger of Allah, it is very bad. They, i.e. the enemy, kept beating me and causing me pain, and they did not leave me alone until I uttered something against you and spoke in favour of the idols. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked, But what did you feel in your heart? Ammar said, I felt unwavering faith. Although I uttered something against you, I had faith in my heart. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, If your heart was set upon faith, then God Almighty will forgive your weakness. There are differing views regarding Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir's migration to Abyssinia. Some are of the opinion that he was part of the second migration to Abyssinia. With regards to the rebellion that arose during the Caliphate of Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him, states, When this disturbance exceeded all bounds, and even the noble companions began to receive letters of complaint against governors, together they approached Hazrat Uthman and submitted, Are you not aware of what is taking place outside Medina? Hazrat Usman, may Allah be pleased with him, replied, The reports that I receive indicate nothing but peace and tranquility. The companions responded that they were receiving letters of such and such subject matter, and this should be investigated. At this, Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, sought the counsel as to how the investigation should be carried out. According to their proposal, Usama bin Zaid was sent to Basra, Muhammad bin Maslama to Kufa, Abdullah bin Umar to Syria, and Ammar bin Yasir to Egypt, in order to investigate the state of affairs and report whether the governors were actually treating the citizens unjustly, oppressing them and usurping the rights of the people. In addition to these four, he also dispatched some others to various lands so that they could provide a report of the conditions there. These people went and returned after having performed their investigation, and all of them reported that it was peaceful everywhere and that Muslims were living their lives in complete freedom. No one was infringing upon their rights and their governors were acting with equity and justice. However, Ammar bin Yasir was delayed and no news came from him. 
There was a delay in receiving news from him to such extent that the residents of Medina thought that he may have been killed. However, the fact of the matter was that due to his simplicity and unfamiliarity with politics, he had fallen into the clutches of the rebels, who were disciples of Abdullah bin Sabah. As Abdullah bin Sabah was present in Egypt himself, he was not oblivious to the fact that if this investigative committee reported a state of peace and security throughout the land, everyone would turn against them. The decision to send this delegation had been made so suddenly that he was unable to make arrangements in other provinces. However, it was easy for him to make arrangements in Egypt. He welcomed Ammar bin Yasser as soon as he arrived in Egypt and began to describe the weaknesses and cruelties of the governor of Egypt, Amr bin al-As. Ammar bin Yasir was unable to safeguard himself from the enchantment of his words. He uttered such words which swayed him, as he knew how to speak very well. Instead of carrying out an unbiased investigation, he did not even approach the governor of Egypt, nor did he carry out an ordinary investigation. On the contrary, he went along with this group of rebels and began to raise objections with them. Ammar bin Yasser is the only person from among the companions about whom it is categorically proven that he became entrapped in the snare of rebels. Aside from him, no other prominent companion participated in such an act. If anyone from among them has been implicated, such a notion has been refuted by other narrations. There was a particular reason for Ammar bin Yasir being deceived. It is not the case that, God forbid, he harboured any hypocrisy. There was a specific reason that, as soon as he arrived in Egypt, he happened to meet a group of eloquent and well-spoken people who appeared to be reliable. They began to complain to him about the governor of Egypt with great skill. Coincidentally, the governor of Egypt was a man who had once been a bitter enemy of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. At the victory of Mecca, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had commanded that he should be killed, even if he was to be found in the vicinity of the Kaaba. Even though the Holy Prophet later forgave him, his former opposition had left traces of dislike upon the hearts of certain companions, including Ammar. Therefore, upon hearing complaints against such a person, Ammar was very quickly influenced and accepted all the allegations that would be levelled against him as being true. Whilst capitalising on natural sentiments, the Sabais, i.e. the supporters of Abdullah bin Sabah, would highlight this particular issue as a means against the governor. He unwittingly joined with them. But it is also written that during the Battle of Sifin, Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir, may Allah be pleased with him, addressed the people and said, Where are all those people who desire the pleasure of Allah and do not wish to return to their wealth and children? Hence, a large group of people gathered around him. as Ammar addressed them, saying, O people, come, let us go towards those people who are demanding vengeance against the blood of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan, may Allah be pleased with him, and who seem to claim that Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, who is innocent, has been killed. By God, their real motive is not to demand justice for Hazrat Uthman's killing, Rather, they have fallen prey to the delights of this world. Hazrat Ammar now understood that those creating disorder were instigating all these troubles. And then he said that they love the world and are only chasing after that. They have realized that the truth has surfaced and it will form a barrier between them and their worldly aspirations. They claim that an individual does not have any superiority over another in Islam 
through which one has to show them obedience and that others are not more deserving of being made governors, i.e. they do not hold any distinction for them to be made governors, rather they are creating disorder. These people have deceived their followers and told them that their innocent Imam was killed so that they themselves can become tyrannical kings. This is such a dangerous ploy through which they have crossed all bounds, as is evident before you. If they did not use the excuse of demanding justice for Hazrat Uthman's killing, they would not have amassed even two followers. Hazrat Ammar then said, O oh Allah, if you grant your succour as you did so countless times before, and if you grant success to them, i.e. those spreading disorder, then because of this they will create innovations among your people and impose a painful punishment. It is related by Muhammad bin Amr, etc., that a fierce battle ensued during the Battle of Siffin to the extent that it was nigh that both parties would perish. Muawiyah said, Today is the day that the Arabs will be destroyed, except for those who suffer the same fate as this slave, i.e. Ammar bin Yasir, meaning that as Ammar bin Yasir be martyred. The fighting continued for three days and nights. On the third day, Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir, may Allah be pleased with him, said to Hashim bin Utbah bin Abi Waqqas, who was the flag bearer that day, May my parents be sacrificed for your sake. Take me with you. Hashim replied, O Ammar, may Allah's mercy be upon you. You are such a person who in war is considered inferior and lowly. I shall take the banner with the hope that I obtain my objective. If I display any weakness, even then I will not be safe from death. He remained alongside him until they climbed their mounts. He mounted him alongside him. Then Hazrat Ammar stood among his battalion. Dhul stood beside his army facing them. They both fought one another and both armies were destroyed. Hazrat Ammar, may Allah please them, was attacked by Huwai Saqir and Abu Ghadiya Muzni, and both of them martyred him. When asked how he killed him, Abu Ghadiya said, When he came close to us with his battalion, and we drew closer to them, he exclaimed if there was anyone who would come forward for combat. Sakasik is the name of a tribe near Yemen, and one person from among them came forward. Both of them began striking their swords against one another. Ammar killed Saksik and called out once more to see who wished to combat him. Himyar is the name of another tribe of Yemen, and a person from among them came forward for combat. Both of them began striking their swords against one another. Ammar killed the man from the Himyar tribe, but he had wounded him. Ammar called out again to see who desired to combat him. I then came forward to him, he calls him a slave, and we drew our swords against one another. His hand was already weakened, and I struck him with a mighty blow, causing him to fall over. I then struck him with my sword, leaving him cold. The narrator then says that when Hazrat Ammar was martyred, Hazrat Ali said, If any Muslim considers the martyrdom of Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir may Allah be pleased with him to be an ordinary matter and is not grieved by it, then they are surely misguided. May Allah's mercy be upon Ammar from the day he accepted Islam. And Allah's mercy be upon Ammar whenever four companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were being mentioned, he would be the fourth. And he was the fifth whenever five were being mentioned. He was amongst the earliest companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. 
no one was in any doubt that he was declared to be paradise-bound on many occasions. Therefore, glad tidings of paradise are destined for Ammar. It was also said regarding him that Ammar is with the truth, and the truth is with Ammar. Wherever he goes, Ammar will go with the truth, and the killer of Ammar will certainly be in the hellfire. Sa'id bin Abdul Rahman relates from his father, A person went to Hazrat Umar bin Al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, and said, I am in a state of impurity and I have not found any water. Hazrat Umar bin Yasir, may Allah be pleased with him, said to Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, Do you not remember that we, I, you and I, were on a journey? You had not yet offered your prayers, whilst I had prayed, having returned covered in mud like animals rolling in mud. I had come back covered in mud resembling an animal, yet I still prayed. He had performed that the Yamumahzi did not find any water. I mentioned this to the Holy Prophet, peace of Allah be upon him, and he stated, It was only sufficient for you to do this. And he patted both his hands on the ground, blew on his hands, and passed his hands over his face with both hands. Abu Wa'il states, As Ammar, may Allah be pleased with him, delivered a sermon before us, which was brief but exceptionally articulate. When he stepped down from the pulpit, he said to him, O Abu Yaqdan, you spoke very eloquently, but your address was brief. Why did you not speak for longer? Upon this, he replied, I heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say, A sign of a person's wisdom is to extend his prayers and to keep his sermons brief. Therefore, extend the prayer and keep the sermon brief. Verily, there is great allure in some expressions. Hassan bin Bilal says, I saw that during the ablution, Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir, may Allah with him, would pass his fingers through his beard. The narrator says, I asked him why he passed his fingers through his beard. To which he replied, Why would I not do it? For I saw the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, pass his fingers through his beard. Amr bin Ghalib relates that a person spoke ill of Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, in the presence of Ammar bin Yasir, may Allah be pleased with him, to which he exclaimed, Move away, O you accursed and wretched person. Do you cause pain to the beloved wife of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him? Nonetheless, these were some accounts. The remaining accounts will be narrated in the future, God willing. There is some tragic news as well. Two days ago, nine of our Ahmadi members were martyred in Burkina Faso. It is a truly tragic event. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. And they were killed in an extremely barbaric manner. However, it was a test of their faith and they remained steadfast. It was not the case that they opened fire randomly. Rather, they called them out one by one and martyred them. Nonetheless, some details have been received, but there are some reports still being sent in. For this reason, God willing, I will mention about them in detail in next week's sermon. May Allah the Almighty shower His mercy upon them and elevate their status. Continue to offer supplications. The current situation there is that the terrorists threatened that if the mosque is reopened, they will return and attack again. May Allah the Almighty protect the Ahmadis living there from their evil. Nevertheless, I will speak about them in detail in the future sermon.
Thank you.